I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 159. Oh yeah. This is the episode that somebody demanded. Yes, tonight we are going to tackle the first four installments of Threshold. That is New Guardians Annual Number 1, and then issues 1, 2, and 3 of the Threshold series. Yeah. And yeah. that first few seconds of this episode is the most enthusiasm you'll hear for the rest of the show. <laughs> yes, we may have made a powerful mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they asked for this. <clears throat> now they have to lie in the bed that they made. Didn't somebody actually ask for that? Like, wasn't someone wondering when we would get to the Captain Carrot issue? Yeah. Yeah, the guy who runs the uh, Captain Carrot Spurro blog. Oh, there is one of those? Yeah. Awesome. I think that more <laughs> than just one person actually asked for this. Well, the main one was Sean Corey, the Captain Carrot Spurro blog. Uh, yeah. Does can I just ask? Does he like the like the new take on Captain Carrot that we're getting here? I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> okay, because he like, seems like kind of eager to for us to like cover this thing. Yeah, watch watch us listen, uh, lose a listener. <laughs> I can't believe you guys didn't like him. It'll be great. It would be great if our numbers went down by exactly one. <laughs> and we're like, well, that was him. <laughs> uh, okay. So, Threshold. It uh, starts out in the New Guardians annual, number one, which they had the nerve to charge us $5 for. You didn't pay cover price, did you? Uh, yeah, I probably did. Oh, you idiot. Yeah, I know. I yeah. I, I didn't pay at all. <laughs> There you go. I'm the happy medium, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think Chad sounds like the happy medium. Even though he's oh. not in the middle, at least he's happier. Oh, I paid. <laughs> but I did, not, <laughs> I, I did not pay any kind of currency for it, though. Dear God. Okay, Chad's trading sexual favors for comics now. Yeah. <laughs> and for threshold, no less. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Super synopsis. Chad doesn't have a very high opinion of his uh, his wares. <laughs> All right, so I'm I'm just gonna start talking over Jim now about this comic book, and there's the baby. Yeah. Hello, the baby. <laughs> he wants to jump into the computer screen. Let him. That's how you find internets. Doesn't work like that. Okay, give us uh, give us a rundown of all four books. No, by the time he's old enough to like understand things, that's probably how computers will work. No, I'm pretty sure computers won't work by people jumping into the monitor. Listen, you don't know. I can surmise. Especially by the time he's old enough to know things. Alright. So anyway, so yeah, we're just gonna... We're going to cover cover everything in a big lump here, so I'm just going to take us through it. <laughs> Wait, um, yeah, but it's New Guardians uh, Annual number 1, and then Threshold 1 through 3. Yeah, that was the first 10 seconds of our show. I already told people that. Oh, whatever. 
just just put the ba- prop the prop the baby up against the mic and go take a walk. <laughs> come along, come along with us on this journey, folks. Yes. Uh, All right. Yeah, but wait. Uh, we should probably oh, damn let, it, Jim. <laughs> let them know that it's it's Green Lantern, New Guardians, number annual number one. You know, you know what? That is important information. I'm glad you brought that to the forefront. <laughs> okay, go for it. So, I guess the first thing to know about this story is it takes place takes place back during the Third Army thing, where like. You know, we're still in the midst of that, and, you know, uh, Carol takes Kyle to Zamoran to get trained in the the ways of the violet light, um, while the the queen, Zamoran, has a mission for her. You know, she wants Carol to go into this other chunk of space and enlist the help of Lady Styx, who, who kind of runs you know, this whole quadrant of the universe and, like, get her aid in the war against the Guardians. Because I guess the Third Army is threatening or something. I don't know. They, they've, the Zamorans were reading a different story arc than we were. <coughs> um, so Carol, Arkillo, and St. Walker all, you know, they, they uh, smuggle their way into Lady Six's domain onto a planet called Tolerance. Ha 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 ha. Um, where they immediately get backstabbed by the smugglers who let, help them get there and sold into reality show Hunger Games Battle Royale TV business. Um, all three of them hate that. They demand help from a deep cover Green Lantern Black Ops agent man named Jediah Cole who wants nothing to do with anything, is is really kind of an asshole. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of helps them along just to get them out of his face forever. And <clears throat> long story short, they, <laughs> they do get off of the planet, but Jedi gets found out. His ring is incapacitated. And that's that's that is where all of the lantern characters we know and love sort of ed- exit this story. From from here, the actual threshold book is a story about Jedi Call becoming one of the hunted, and the the whole hunted thing is, <clears throat> you know, it's the game that they tried to to throw the lanterns into. It's the idea of anybody who is perceived as a threat to Lady Styx and her dominion, which, you know, whether that's real or just perceived as a threat, you get captured, prepped, and put on this this reality show where everyone in the system is watching it and has the potential to be a contestant. And it's, it's basically you are set loose... You have a one-day grace period where nobody can touch you. And after that, absolutely anyone in the world can kill you and claim their prize. And there's insinuations made that, you know, the like the one of those longest-lasting contestants in The Hunted has been alive for three whole days. So this is kind of like a twisted society right here. Um, That's actually three seasons. 
oh three seasons. Yeah, they've been around for three seasons. Okay, I might have misread that as cycles or something. Yeah, uh, and then apparently there was also like uh, there's somebody that is just kind of like talked about in whispers, um, but that one's not. You know, we don't know anything about that yet. Yeah, the one that's that stayed alive the longest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jediacal is trying to you know survive until he can figure out what the hell to do. You know, presumably get off the planet. Um, you know, put a pin in that for a second. Um, <laughs> and yeah, as he's you know he's as he's going around doing his anti-social survivor thing, he he runs into a number of other survivors, most of which whose names I do not remember because they did a poor job of establishing characters in this book. Stealth. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's Stealth, who and, I guess... And uh, Star Cowboy or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, exactly, perfect, yeah. Um, but I think most notably is we get to see uh, Jaime Reyes, the Blue Beetle, who... You know, I wasn't reading the Blue Beetle series past its first or second issue, so I don't know how he ended up here, but... Well, actually, they tell us in this recap panel here that um, uh, he was battling the Reach, and they, you know, to, to take care of him, they just dumped him on this planet where he became part of the games. And, you know, he's, he's kind of a scared kid who doesn't know what the hell to do. And then he gets kicked in the face by a giant rabbit. And we got the new 52 debut of Captain Carrot and at least some of his zoo crew. You know, the pig one and that cat girl or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> apparently, they did, like, something was done to, to Jaime's scarab so that when he's passed out, the scarab just takes over and turns him into, like, a Terminator killing machine. And Captain Carrot accidentally leads him right to Jedaya. Which is kind of kind of crappy because the the Reach and the Guardians don't have a great history. So when it detects uh, Green Lantern energy residual on him, it just goes nuts, and they're trying to fight him off with shotguns, and he is about to kill them all to death. Um, actually, forget. But then it just sort of stops. Jamie, or sorry, Jaime stupid Americans, just wake up to, and he's like, oh, that was weird. I'm going to fly away now. And it, it's... I'm sorry, this is very disjointed because this is like a very not clear narrative in this book. Um, basically, issue three ends with with Jedi Call having the revelation that, you know what, maybe... I do need to join up with the, the these other hunted contestants so that we can like try and survive. Uh, they know where these these blind points are in an entire planet that is under twenty four seven surveillance everywhere. And oh hey, they know where my power battery is. Hmm. And that's where we have our big to be continued in issue three. You know, typically, and I'm just going to be honest with the readers, or the readers, ha, listeners of the show, um, I like to 
read even the bad stuff so I can give my honest opinion on everything. And in this case, uh, I read the, about the first half of New Guardians, annual number one, and then just looked at the pictures for the rest of the stuff and read the Larfley's stuff. Because uh, I hate this book that much. It's wordy as hell. The art switches randomly in style. And um, the space lingo on top of the wordiness is so convoluted, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Now let's let's talk about the, the actual dialogue for a second. Because my big sticking point with this book, I think, is that through all four of these issues... I mean, Keith Giffen wrote this, and he's in, he's generally a good writer. Generally. And it felt like this entire time, he was trying really, really hard to write dialogue that was going to come off as, like, witty and really snappy banter. But it just, it didn't. And it was nonstop. Like, every single time a character opened their mouth, it was tr to try and deliver some kind of, like, I mean, I mean, like, like Carol Ferris was delivering like, like lines chock full of attitude that she doesn't have. You know, I mean, I love. I, I think the standout in all four of these issues is when uh, she sees Arkillo, calls him Killo, and he just like exclaims, "She has nicknamed me!" <laughs> like that was the one thing I like smiled at. <laughs> when that happened like like it's i mean i feel like i feel like he he uh, i feel like he wrote this right after watching the avengers movie and thinking oh i can write characters that interact that way and then just like kind of failed at it it says a lot that i will read red lanterns from cover to cover but i will not read threshold like I can't even get through a panel before I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm and just mentally check out and look at the pictures. You know, I the, the annual, the New Guardians annual, I think was that's um that's definitely in like my bottom five Green Lantern stories that I've ever read. Um, it's it's probably I think it's vying for number one worst with uh, the don't say it no the dragon the dragon comic Green Lantern oh dragon, dragon lord. lord dragon lord yeah because that's just abysmal um yeah when when compared to collateral damage <laughs> ah it, it, it makes collateral damage look like you know like art like oh no no it does not. Art. Oh, oh no. No, 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 no. The, the New Guardians Annual? Yeah. The New Guardians know. Annual is still leaps and bounds better than Collateral Damage. Ugh, no. Well, no. for starters, the New for starters, the New Guardians Annual didn't at least look like garbage, like Collateral Damage did. Listen, I know. I, first off, I, I appreciated the art in Collateral Damage. Appreciated absolutely 0% of anything in Collateral Damage. I still You're, haven't read Collateral Damage. Don't. You're out of your mind. It's 100% garbage. No, the art is is definitely nice to look at. And yeah, I, th this, I think early, earlier today I pooped out something that looks like the art of Collateral Damage. 
Uh, and I, I will definitely say that the Scott Collins artwork in New Guardians, um, I did enjoy that. Um, Only highlight. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, but unfortunately, he's paired with Andre Brisson, who who is the the shitty artist from the New Guardians. Uh, you know, he's like the fill in, you know, do some art here and there for New Guardians, mm-hmm. um, and. Like he's awful, I don't understand. Like he makes he, he he can't draw a character looking the same way, you know, in more than one panel. He draws everybody look looking ugly and weird. Um, I I don't understand. I honestly I cannot fathom how DC you know said oh yeah let's do this where you know Kyle's mask looks like a freaking like contraption hanging off his face. He looks completely bizarre. Everybody looks ugly. And yet, you know, like some of their other artists don't get regular work. (sighs) Angers me. But yeah, no, it's awful. Um, The dialogue is really bad in New Guardians. The plot is completely ridiculous. The fact that they can just, like, basically cap a, a lantern ring you know, and and that's it. You, but you know what? I bought that because they made a big deal throughout this, like the at least the first two issues of this, hitting home the point that okay, Lady Sticks. It's 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 one of those those guardian pacts, you know. Like we've been at we've been at almost the brink of war for centuries, so we have this kind of understanding, this stalemate. But at the same time, each side is kind of fortified, just in case the other makes a move so so if lady six is like this big deal who has this huge kingdom or whatever and she knows that right across the border is guardian space and they have all these powering people that could you know break their deal at any time she would want to have some kind of technology that would counteract that and if you have billions of years to do it you're gonna come up with something who's lady stick is lady sticks the chick from uh 52 that yes. Lobo went up against. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, but they re envisioned her. Yeah, so, like yeah. In... it's a new fifty two. Yeah. I don't understand why Saint Walker and Arkello had to wear these ridiculous, stupid looking costumes. <laughs> and not to mention, like, okay, well if you use your ring, then they'll be able to track onto you. Yet when the the green guy, you know, he's got a completely dead ring, and they can lock onto his, you know, energy traces and signatures with his ring. Yeah, they kind of... That was kind of weird. I made one note and one note only before I just gave up. <laughs> Saint Walker wavering? At the very beginning, when Arkillo and uh, Saint Walker are in that dead space sector or whatever... Yeah. And Arkillo keeps asking, all will be LOL, right? All will be well, right? Well, first of all, I don't think Arkillo cares. And second of all, I don't believe that St. Walker would hesitate like that. In my in my <laughs> mind, I get I understand like the the plot point of someone whose whole thing is hope, wavering in their hope, is that being like the big deal? You know, like uh a while back we were talking or Jim, I think you said something about 
you know, you show like, oh my god, this dude is super powerful. He, oh, you know, yeah. did blank, 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 and blank. So when someone else kills him, oh my god, that must mean he's more powerful. Yeah. You know, so when you see Saint Walker wavering in his hope, oh, the situation must be dire. I, I, if a ring came out of space and chose them for the emotion that they elicit, then they should never wa- wa- waver in that emotion. Every other emotion, fine. But if their thing is love, then that thing never fails. Particularly Saint Walker, the first one. <laughs> yeah. 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 He basically carries his core on his shoulders. So yeah, yeah he should never waver. And I mean, I could. Uh, I don't know if I agree to that extreme. I mean, I mean, if you wanted to tell a story where Saint Walker's hope does waver now. Like, around now is a pretty good time for it because they lost their planet and their central battery and a couple members of their core. So they're kind of directionless and have to figure out what to do pretty quick. So if if this guy... And and the only reason that, that the Blue Lantern Corps is still alive is because he told them all to retreat when he had been trying to stand his ground because he thought Hope would see them through. So if they wanted to tell a St. Walker's wavering kind of story, I I would probably enjoy reading that, except they really didn't... They just sort of threw it in there in like a, a couple panels instead of actually focusing on it as a story point, which would have been more interesting. Yeah, they... they that's, that's probably the, the main <clears throat> contention, point of contention I have, is it's just there. And... That's probably one of the main things I have a problem with for this whole series so far. Nothing is a point of focus. Yeah. I mean, on like just as a concept, if you told me, like, okay, we're going to read, like, an oversized issue where it's Carol Ferris, St. Walker, and Archillo just on an adventure by themselves, maybe throw in this random alien Green Lantern. I like that idea. I would like to see these characters interact just off by themselves without one of the the uh, the main Earth Green Lanterns as the centerpiece, you know? Except we we didn't get anything all that good from it here. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, what you call it? They never really explain why they just kind of like shove his dead ring into his chest. Uh, no, oh, I don't really? think you even mentioned that. Yeah, when Jedi when Jedi gets caught, his ring is is implanted in the middle of his chest. And when they caught Carol, they just put a thing over her ring while it was on her hand. And when Jedi was knocked out, it looks like they were putting something down to put it on his hand too. So yeah. there's also the fact that like Carol gets you know basically sold into these games and then they get her out before anything can happen so it's just kind of like you know okay I guess there was no point to that yeah now here's something I want to know 
And this really bugged me, especially in this first, in this, uh, the annual. So, there's three lanterns stuck on this planet. And one of them is already engrossed in these games. The other two can't use their rings or you'll attract attention. You gotta figure out a way to sneak out. Why do, why don't they just leave? Like, like... They have power rings. Like, two out of... Like, one of them can carry Carol. Like, just point your ring in any direction. Like, straight up and just go. Like, why? Why Why are they still on that planet dicking around? (laughs) There's no reasoning. What about Cat... What about Captain Carrot? Yeah, is that how we're supposed to pronounce that? Or is it like Carrot? We're we're jumping to that point already. No, it's just more focused on the fact fact that when he is drawn by someone other than Scott Collins, they make him look like a kangaroo, and then you focus on his face later on, and he's clearly a rabbit. (laughs) Kangaroos and rabbits are both mammals who hop. They don't look alike. Well, I like the note that he has one robotic leg because someone cut off his real one for luck. Yeah. That was kind of funny. That, that was the only thing that I liked about that character. <laughs> I, You know, like, it seems like just blatantly obvious that... DC said, okay, well, we want to have our own version of uh, Rocket Squirrel. Rocket Raccoon? Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, Rocket Raccoon. You are... I am ashamed of you. (laughs) Listen, it's late. Rocket Squirrel. Rocket (laughs) Squirrel. So Rocket Rocket Squirrel and Raccoon Girl? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's like DC wanted their own version of Rocket Rocket Raccoon. You know, it's like, oh, well, we've got this, this rabbit... You know, let's uh, let's let's reinvent him, um, and that's that's basically like every almost every line of dialogue that he says is like some kind of like wisecrack, but they all just fall completely flat. It's just like he becomes irritating instead of you know witty or you know endearing at all. I mean, I do like the fact that Giffen makes an attempt to to make it to make their dialogue sound like like a fleshed out kind of kind of I'll, I'll say alien language just because like 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 it's filled with like little like like references and slang words to like to things that just don't make sense or don't have an earth equivalent or might if you think about it hard enough but it's like it's not like all right we're gonna have we're gonna have alien characters speaking entirely in earth language make it using earth colloquialisms instead we're i'm gonna come up with some for them that they all know because they're they're out there and like mm. i mean like honest like honestly like what i said about the dialogue before like if he just took like a more like straight approach to it i think i would have walked away from this really happy with how like how the 
to how people were speaking. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I, I thought there was too much of it. Yep. Yeah, it, it's great if it's there, but it's overused. Yeah. I mean, like, um, it's not my favorite story, and I, you know, I know everybody talks of talks it up all the time, but Dark Knight Returns. There's uh, some futury lingo in there that it's just enough, but occasionally you'll get to the point where you're like, wait, what? I mean, for me, for me, that was one of the things that took me out of Dark Knight Returns is the the futury lingo overused, at least in my mind. And if I thought it was overused in that book, I definitely think it's way overused in this one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I haven't read Dark Knight Returns. Really. But yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, if they didn't use it as much as they did in here, then it wouldn't, I don't think I would have bought it. Because, like, it's supposed to come off like, okay, this is just the casual way these people talk all the time. So if it was just slightly peppered in, it would have felt less genuine, you know? Like, when when I think about how I talk, like, how often... I'll use certain words or how often slang or shortened versions of this or that or like references just penetrate the things I say to people and then I look at this I'm like you know what that probably is right about right you know I know I I just thought it was irritating it kind of feels like they just wrote dialogue and then went through and replaced adjectives with made up shit yeah it felt forced yeah, yeah, because there was there was just too much. Um, what you call it? So I mean, now I'll be honest. New Guardians. After reading that, I'm just like, okay, well, I'm just gonna like have to fight through these next three issues, and uh, you know, <laughs> and then I can just turn my brain off. Um, the threshold number one, I actually did enjoy that. Um, I thought that the first issue was really good. Uh, the art, I love the art. It's got Tom Rainey art. Um, I, I thought that the art in at least the first issue was beautiful. The second issue I thought was really good. The third issue, it's a cross between Tom Rainey and uh, what's his name, uh, Phil Winslade, which. He's not bad, I just don't like him anywhere near as much. Um, but I mean, like, with the Tom Rainey stuff, like, you know, like I'm just looking at this like, okay, well, you know, if nothing else, then at least the art is, you know, definitely enjoyable. And I, I kind of like the story in, in number one. Although I have to say, reading the story in number one, it's just like, Okay, well, clearly this is what they wanted to start with, you know. And that other story, just like there was pretty much no purpose to it. It's almost like, like uh, Keith Giffen went to DC and says, "Oh, I want to do a space story," because Keith Giffen loves doing these space stories, which end up never like really, you know, selling that well, and then just kind of like falling flat. There was there was like a there was like there's been a couple of these, these kind of stories, you know, in the past couple of years. And, you know, 
they make it a couple of issues and then just kind of like completely fade away. And, you know, you usually get really nice art, but the story just, you know, nobody's really willing to give it a chance. Um, so DC probably said, it's like, well, we've got this new Guardians annual, you know, if you can try and come up with a story to launch, you know, the hunted out of, you know, then maybe we'll have a better chance of actually getting people to read another space book. Um, and I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but I, I, I have a pretty good feeling that that's, that's what happened. Well, yeah, they do that all the time. You know, and like yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, he came up with the idea for the hunted, and he had like this whole thing, you know, all set up and everything, and it completely does not require New Guardians Zero. Like, you never need to read New Guardians Zero, you know, to actually be able to, you know, just read Threshold. So I think that it was like, well, you know, come up with this. So it's the kind of thing where, like, the entire annual is an afterthought just to, you know, serve as, uh, you know, introducing people to these characters in Threshold, you know, so Threshold has a slightly better chance at succeeding. Okay. I mean, I mean I'm not going to... I'm not gonna begrudge them that just because I've seen I've seen that happen with crappy stuff. I'm seeing that happen with good stuff. I mean, like you give somebody like an un- introductory story to kind of lead them to the new ongoing, and then when the new ongoing starts, you give them an introductory story because maybe they didn't read that last thing. You know, that's how the Jeff Johns Green Lantern era started. They gave us Rebirth, and then they gave us a story that. It's introductory for people in case they didn't read Rebirth. No, that's not really what I'm, I'm saying. Um, oh, you're saying like you're saying they did that, except they, it like in 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 my analogy, Rebirth would have had to have been something thrown together after the fact. Right. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Uh, yeah like. Like. Threshold was you know all all said and done. And they said, okay, you know, crap, this isn't going to sell, like, all of our other space stories. So come up with a prequel, you know, story to this, you know, and make sure you shoehorn in these characters from New Guardians, you know, so that way people will want to read Threshold. So, you know, because, like, you know, Keith Giffen, he wasn't writing the New Guardians in their voice. Um not even remotely close. It's just, it didn't, it didn't even feel like a new guardians book. Just the whole thing about it was just like, so off. And even the character, like the main character, like you don't care about him at all in that book, you know, like in threshold, like, you know, I'm, I'm actually a little more interested in what's going to happen to him. He's a lot more likable, you know, in, in, in this, um, and just the sheer concept of the hunted TV show is is more intriguing in this than it is in New Guardians. Yeah, the he does flesh out the the whole hunted concept pretty well. What do you well, since you touched on this? What do you guys think of Jedi Call? Oh well, that was the other thing. Like he's supposed to be this deep cover Green Lantern. Which, I can understand that, the, you know, the Guardians just kind of like, 
lost track of them. Because, honestly, like, they they kind of should if they're deep cover. Um, and they got a lot of things going on and, you know, whatever. Um, the only thing that got me was, like, well, we know that there are deep cover Green Lanterns. You know, the, uh, what are they, the... The, the corpse. corpse. Yeah, the corpse. Yeah. Well, they're like Black Ops. He's straight up a spy. I mean, like... In Her Majesty's Secret Service. It's true. It just, it kind of seems like they could have kind of picked up on that thread. And maybe, you know, even if they had him as like a cast out of the corpse. Um... I don't know, I, I think that was, like, a missed opportunity. But, like, you know, in the New Guardians annual, he is completely unlikable. You know, you wonder how he could ever get a ring in the first place. Um, you know, and then you get to The Hunted, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I can kind of understand how he would get a ring in the first place. Jad, what do you think of Jediah? For a deep cover Green Lantern, not just a deep cover space cop of some kind or whatever, but for, of all things, a Green Lantern. To be picked to be Green Lantern, not only are you able to overcome fear, but I also think you have a, you go through training with Kilowog, you become basically a cop. And then, I guess, getting Honor Guard is like becoming a internal affairs or police commissioner or whatever and then deep cover green lantern you're like the creme de la creme it seems like this creme de la creme is running an awful lot from things that's just kind of what it felt like to me took me out of it that he doesn't stand and fight more often well can he really do that and not blow his cover I mean, the one one of the conceits they set up for this world is that like the air is filled with like nano cameras that any time like like a fight breaks out, they all t- switch on in that spot. So if if he doesn't do whatever he possibly, and this is even before he's he's part of the game, so like if he does anything to to cause a ruckus or get involved in a fight, the whole planet's gonna see it on TV. And there goes his cover. Well, it doesn't mean he has to use his ring. Yeah, this, he, he probably still doesn't want his face out there, you know? He's got a ring. He can put on a mask with his ring if he wants. What his face looks like doesn't matter. Hmm... My, my thing is, is it just seems like he's running more than standing and fighting, and... If he does want to stand and fight, there should be somebody there that's like, no, Jediah, we got to get the hell out of here. And, you know, <laughs> he's trying to stay. Yeah. Well, to use your own your own cop metaphor, like I would have liked because I, I could buy him as kind of like the old cop that's been on the force too long and kind of like lost, like lost a lot of the drive or whatever. But like, like they never Detective Chire from uh, the Jeff Johns run a flash. Yeah. Like but like I like I don't know how long this guy's been in the core. You know, I never unlike I guess 
I'm the only one here who never had thought of like, geez, how this guy get a ring? Like, you know, just because you have willpower doesn't mean you're not an asshole. But like, I don't know. Like, I I could buy him as like somebody who's just like, like, <clears throat> got so deep in this assignment and like so used to living in this world that he's just like, you know, this is just how he is now. Like, he could have been like a fresh faced recruit you know pinnacle of green lantern this beforehand but like this kind of assignment on this kind of beat just kind of it made him what he is i mean i walked away from it like like in number one i didn't like i knew like like he was being written intentionally so we don't like him so i kind of like i didn't really care about the fact that i didn't like him I, I enjoyed seeing Arkillo punch him in the face so that he couldn't escape with them. But everything after that, I just sort of felt, like, really just ambivalent. Like, I didn't really care about him at all in, like, the next three issues. Uh, speaking of not caring about characters in the next three issues... I like I feel like we got introduced to the new 52 versions of so many classic DC space characters and other than Captain Carrot I could not tell and I guess stealth cuz you just reminded me of her like I couldn't tell you who any of them are and that's not like a like a oh they're too different now or anything it's just that like they didn't make they didn't take any real steps to to reinforce to me like oh this is this character's name like i like i have no idea who 90% of the people he interacts with in this series are <laughs> yeah yeah they they do just kind of like throw names out kind of half i'll say i like at the, the beginning of issue two, that first scene, I think is the best art we get in the entire, in this entire group of issues. It's like they really play with the lighting from the, the gunshots and the explosions. And there's this awesome, like a purple silhouette battle in the dark as stealth takes out like a group of hunters. Yeah. What do you guys think of the uh, the opening page for Threshold 1 through 3, where each time they kind of, like, issue 1 had that kind of internet <clears throat> FAQ of what the games are. Uh, issue 2 had this mock children's book <laughs> explaining why all the terrible things are, are great. And issue 3 had kind of the... Uh... Adonis slug no um no issue three was along with like the uh the chat room oh yeah y'all those things which one had the slug uh adonis the slug is that uh is that also number one you showed up at one panel of number two i don't know if that's what you're thinking you're talking about i'm talking about like page one of every one of these issues and that's it yeah, no, because there's a, there's a, there's a other ones further in. Um, 
in number one, if you go further in, they have the whole thing with the glimmer net. Yeah, those things just serve to take me even further out of the book. Really? I yeah. like I like the first one, uh, the first one in the first issue, and I thought the the chat room was like that was a little humorous in terms of like it was clearly you know like a take on message boards today. Yeah, I think I out of all of like I I don't know I. I liked them well enough. You know, I was, it was a nice kind of like, you know, I got to the end of, and it, it was, it was, it was like I struggled through New Guardians Annual and then got that page and then trudged through threshold number one and then got that page in number two and then struggled through number two. So it was like, it, it broke it up nicely and it was kind of a, I mean, it, it, it didn't, achieved the levels that I think they wanted it to, but I appreciated it being there and contributing to the experience in a positive way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I liked, I liked the first issue. I hated the annual. The second issue I thought was good up until Captain Carrot came on the scene. Um, and then issue three was just kind of ups and downs. So... I mean, like the 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 first page in the the first issue, I guess, kind of helped my enjoyment of that issue. Um, but I mean, for the rest of them, it was it didn't really do much. Um, I mean, I guess we should probably, you know, also mention that, like, um, you were saying about how like they have the different blinds blind points, um, which don't make any sense. Like, you have people that are willing to help out the hunted, which, again, doesn't really make any sense because, like, you know, if uh, if Jediah Call is, you know, sitting right next to you, you, you shoot him and you basically, like, win the lotto in terms of racking up credits. Um, but for some reason, there's a group of people that have gotten together and... They want to basically use the contestants, you know, the, the well-known contestants, and use it as like a, almost like a propaganda kind of thing, where since like they're going to be on screens everywhere and, you know, billions of life forms are going to be watching them, like they could transmit a message to all those people and, you know, God only knows what. Like, I took it as they wanted to try and turn the entire population against the system that was running the game. And by the system, I mean, like, like the establishment, the man, that kind of thing. Since, like, they are, for all intents and purposes, they are the biggest celebrities in the galaxy. So they want to use that and their immediate ability to reach everyone in the world as a way to try and <clears throat> rally all those people around them against the people who threw them to their deaths. Yeah. Yeah. I, part of me, like, wonders, like, with the society that they live in and the ruler, you know, Lady Styx, um, who they do make mention that she's, you know, expanding the empire and 
on two fronts. Um, so kind of like the original 52 Lady Sticks where, you know, it was almost like the Borg where they just wanted to assimilate more and more. Um, the idea of blind spots really, like, it kind of serves a purpose as far as if people, if like, if these hunted can find these blind spots and they find a place to hide and they last longer, then their stock goes up and, you know, people are watching longer to see what happens with these characters because they'll basically get vested in those characters. Um, you know, and that would, then it would stand to reason that Lady Sticks knows where all these blind spots are. And every once in a while they close in on one, you know, and then, you know, you have a big battle and everybody's watching at that moment. Well, no, cause the, like the blind spots were were made by some of the hunted. Like they're not supposed to exist. Well, as far as no. we know. Yeah, no, they like they said it in the in the issues yeah, but, here. Like the What I'm saying is that doesn't make any sense. Why? Because there shouldn't be any blind spots. Well, I, I yeah. And if there are blind spots, like if you have, you know, dust, dust cameras, <clears throat> like, you can basically, you know, you can see, okay, well, I have dust cameras everywhere. You know, like, if you, you can use that to find out what's, you know, like a spot that's not transmitting. And there you know you have a blind spot. So I'm telling you right now that Lady Sticks knows where these blind spots are and she allows them to exist because it benefits the game. Yep, no, that doesn't... Like, that line of reasoning doesn't work, though. Because they already established the fact that all of those dust cameras do not go active unless something happens that's good for TV. So if you have a group of the hunted that are just chilling out in a room sitting there, the dust cameras wouldn't have any reason to activate anyway. And like if they give like this and like the I mean there's no such thing even in fiction as technology that's infallible. You know, so like this they give basically a Star Trek explanation of like okay, well we I, we isolated the frequency that they use, and we developed this thing that jams their thing, and thus we have blind spots. It's like, all right, why not? And because you know what, it's a necessary thing for the story. Because if there wasn't blind spots, and it really was nothing but twenty four seven running for your life, threshold would last two issues. Right, and what I'm saying is, if there were no blind spots, then the hunted would literally be hunted very fast, and you would never have any any holdovers. And to have holdovers benefits the game and benefits Lady Sticks. So, you know, like letting letting these you know hunted think that they have figured out a way to create blind spots is playing right into Lady Sticks' plan. Because she wants them to think that they have this. 
it's almost like with the Matrix, where like you know we find out at the end that there's been like you know five, seven, whatever versions of the Matrix before, and you know civilization has risen and fall fallen that many times, you know, and it all happens the same way. It's just that you know you don't realize it until the end of the program. Listen, I applaud you for thinking up ways this could be more interesting. I do not believe for an instant that any of it is actually true within this story. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you you can keep reading Threshold and keep us abreast of it. <laughs> so, so this is it? We're not reading any more Threshold after this? Well, I mean, we'll get... Well, we're, we're about to cover the Larfleet story, too, but, like, I've... I would like to see. I don't know. Like we'll 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 read. I'll we'll read a couple more issues of the Jedi Call story to see what happens. I mean, I, I whether or not we... enough. Like next issue. Are you are you volunteering me to read more? You said we. We'll read no, more listen. of the Jedi Call story. Listen. All right. Listen, Chad. I have already pre-ordered the next like two or three issues of this. I'm gonna read it. If it's the same level of crap, then we won't cover it on the show, so you won't have to read it. I would, however, like us to to finish out the Larflees thing, if only because it's a Larflee story by the creators of The Ongoing, and there's only, like, two chapters left after this. Is Scott Collins doing the art on the Larflees backups right now? Yes. Uh, yes. yes. Oh, man. Okay. Well, should we just transition right into this? Anybody have anything left to say about the uh, hunted? Uh, oh yeah, well I think it's ironic. Like if we didn't cover it, because the next issue of Threshold actually has Jedi Call holding a lantern on the cover. <laughs> so right, we yeah. basically we read three issues of Threshold, you know, about a Green Lantern who does absolutely nothing like a Green Lantern does no Green Lantern things at all. Basically just has a dead ring implanted in his <laughs> chest. And then we just, you know, to completely quit the book, you know, the issue before anything lantern-y, you know, could even happen. It's just hysterical. Alright, well maybe me and you will do will do another one of these. <laughs> I don't think Chad will live through it. Um, Alright, so I'm just going to blanket all of the hunted stuff we've read so far as a collective pass. There was nothing worth buying or reading in there, really. Um, I, I would give the first and maybe part of the second issue um, at least a borrow. Um, you know. And by first issue, you mean issue threshold one. number yeah. one. Oh yeah, the, the annual is 100% a pass. That, that, there's no reason to read that. Even if you want to read Threshold, there's no reason to read it. There's no re reason to read it if you are reading New Guardians. It's just like the single most useless Green Lantern issue to come out in a very, very long time. I assume Chad hates it. My silence is acquiescence or, ac or whatever. I'm done with big words. 
Oh. <laughs> uh, threshold, uh... threshold is having me give up on loquaciousness. Oh. What did you think of the Blue Beetle, you know, just kind of popping up in here? Random. Pointless. Yeah. It probably would have made sense if we had been reading the end of his series. But, uh... I think he was yeah. just thrown in there so they could hey, say, hey, look, another space character for you to buy this story. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it was in there for the same reason that they started off with a new Guardians annual. You know, they wanted the outside tie-in to a known property. So, I mean, we were going to throw in their characters like, oh, hey, here's Stealth and Captain Carrot. You you kind of want to have some some more name brand recognition among like among uh the audience. Oh. No, no, whatever. All right, so I'm gonna take us through the Larflees back up in the same way. Yes, you do that. Okay, Larflees, and uh, this time because I forgot before. Uh, written by Keith Giffen, art by Scott Collins. Um, John Callis is the colorist. <clears throat> so we start out on Okara, and Larflees has, I think, kidnapped this guy named Stargrave to basically just be his space butler. <clears throat> and he's demanding that this guy write him, you know, the book of... Larflees, you know, he he's jealous of the Guardians for having the Book of Oa, so he wants the Book of Larflees. And he's got this gigantic freaking book. And the, the guy has to use, like, this giant pen that he's operating like a crane just to, like, to write in it. It's amazing. And, and while they're going back and forth over, like, what it should say and all this crap, <clears throat> Larflees' ring, you know, pings with with some Google alerts that people are talking about Orange Lantern, and and there's the news broadcast is saying, yeah, like, yeah, an Orange Lantern is right now terrorizing some shipping lane or something, and Larflees goes batshit crazy because he's supposed to be the only one. He he storms out. He le- he even leaves his battery behind. Like he goes to just destroy whoever is aping his his whole shtick. Um, <clears throat> a couple hours later, he comes back to Okara. You know, apparently, the whole broadcast was a hoax. They, there was no other Orange Lantern. The TV station denies ever ever broadcasting that. He's like, whatever. Time to get back to my book. But, uh-oh. His crap was stolen. His entire cave full of treasures. Treasures and air bunnies is completely empty now. Um, you know, Stargrave is still there. He was apparently knocked out by the thieves, and Larflees <laughs> is the first convinced that he is somehow connected to all of this, even though he was unconscious, you know, conveniently unconscious. Uh, so he, he basically grabs up Stargrave and takes him in a bubble into the universe to try and find either find the culprits or find someone who can help them find the culprits. Um, we we get 
thank God, the return of the same smugglers that screwed over Carol and Arkillo and St. Walker in that uh, New Guardians annual. And you know, when while Larflees and Stargrave are trying to convince them, you know, hey, you should help us out for some reason, uh, all of a sudden, Orange Lantern constructs burst through the wall, and but they're not coming from Larflees's ring this time. They're some some outside outside force is generating them, and he can't recall them. There's <laughs> a funny little bit where as soon as they find out that these things are supposed to come from his ring, they just the smugglers try shooting Larflees in the head, which is kind of funny. And while they're fighting amongst themselves, the constructs go, do go away, but it's probably unrelated. Um, Stargrave, you know, he, he diffuses the situation and then makes an observation that, hey, your, your power battery was stolen too. When was the last time you recharged your ring? And suddenly... Larflees and he realize that there is a ticking clock now and they don't have all that long before his orange ring runs out of power. Uh, so from there, <clears throat> Larflees and Stargrave and the smugglers head to like a space bar, some, something that probably wishes it was the Star Wars cantina, where they, they arrange to meet this tracker who can find... He, he's basically one of those those alien guys that can sniff anything and then find it anywhere in the universe. And they're like, okay, we'll just smell Larflees and then find the stuff that smells like Larflees because he never showers. Everything he owns reeks. Um, Larflees promptly gets into a knockdown drag-out fistfight with the one person in the world that can help him because why not? Um, his ring is already starting to have problems because it's... He usually keeps it at like 500% and now he's he's kind of running low. Um, more hilarity ensues. <coughs> Legion, the, uh, the uh, kind of rebels-ish intergalactic police people, not the uh, superhero team from the future, they all bust in to try and break up a bar fight, I guess. Uh, and they're followed on their, their heels by by what looks like Glomulus and a bunch of Orange Lantern constructs. Oh, no. Oh, boy. All right, what did you got? You guys had to have liked this better than the threshold-y parts, the, the hunted stuff. Uh, I'll tell you what I liked. I liked, uh, I guess it was the second page of the Larfley story. With uh, the giant book? Yeah, yeah. That that scene was amazing. You have, like, it just all the stuff that you have in there, like, you have a TARDIS. I was going to ask you if you saw the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. But then what's even better is that since it's like the Larfley's cave, he has yes. a giant Triceratops, which has the horns like Larfley's. And then a giant Larflees penny. Yes. Um, if you look at like the little uh, the thing that Larflees is sitting in his giant chair, you have uh, Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. You have oh, yeah. Magneto's helmet. You have the cosmic cube. You have uh, a giant set of wings, uh, a stop sign, uh, a sword, a crown. Um, I think there's Cerebro in there, too. 
then just next to that, you have uh, Metron's chair, the Mobius chair. Um, what you call it? At the bottom of the page, you have a dragon with uh, a sword in its neck. I can't. I'm not sure if that's uh, supposed to be Smog from Lord of the Rings or not. Uh, hey, let me ask you. That thing by the base of it, where it's like that robot thing with like the the eagle on its chest. Yeah. What's that from? That's a thing. It's definitely a thing. I'm not sure what it's from, but it's definitely a thing. Um, oh, and then there's a Viking ship up near the top. Uh, Dead Guardian at the bottom. Fuzzy Dice. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You didn't like... What do you think of Okara looking kind of like a fuzzy piece of fruit. Man. I don't think that's Okara. Is it? Yeah. You're talking yeah, about the is. giant shining orange thing with the orange lantern symbol? Yes. Yeah. I don't think that's Okara. Yeah, it says it right on top. Hold on. Vegas is I'm the primary sure. hub Okara. Uh, you know, I like Scott Collins' art, but something about the way he draws a lot of fleas I don't like. Hmm. Oh, I don't have a problem with that. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I don't know, like, I'm I'm not too keen on the interaction between Larfleas and Stargrave. No? No. It's like... He, kid, he, he kidnaps this guy and basically makes him his slave and then like he's basically cracking jokes you know throughout the rest of them you know it's like oh we better get out of here he's gonna blow and don't worry I'll smooth things over and you know it's like you know like they become buddies uh, I don't know if I call them buddies I think like I think um, issue two or three or whichever kind of shows us, like, he understands how powerful and dangerous Larflees is. So, like, a lot of what he does, a lot of what he does and the way he's acting might be to try and, like, not incur physical harm. Like, something I would like to see is, like, if Larflees' ring does either run out or get really, really low, if Stargraves starts acting completely differently towards him. It probably won't, but, you know. And that's not Okara. That's the orbital containment unit above Okara. It says it right there, orbital containment unit. Okara is the big blue planet that it's orbiting. So, the Vegas system, primary hub, Okara, orbital containment unit. So Larflees' stash is inside a thing that's off the planet? Yes. A moon? Something like that. Either that or a giant-ass construct because he's super powerful. Hmm. That's weird. Yeah. Oh, well. I don't know. I mean, I kind of... I still don't know how I feel about Larflees having a companion, but... I mean, I, I'm reading this with the mindset of knowing that a Larfleeze solo series is coming, 
so you needed to have someone else as a regular in this in his book so like it makes sense kind of because he's like this like weird kind of it made sense to give him a straight man but i think as a result we're getting larkley's being a little more more bombastic and theatrical yeah I don't, I don't necessarily like that. Yeah, no, it's... I, I, don't, I don't really want to read Larflees and his, you know, kidnap victim as, like, you know, as, like, the odd couple. Hmm. Um, well, you're gonna. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the title for the story. Hmm? I like the title for the story. Nine tenths of the law. Possession is nine tenths of the law. Yeah. I like the character design of uh, that Rancor character. Branks Rancor. Which one is he? He's the giant, like pink dog creature. Oh, the the the. Yeah. The guy in the bar. Dog. Okay. <laughs> Dog the the, uh, the tracker, <laughs> dog the bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate I really like the um in the first part when Lar- the uh, full page shot of Larkley is exploding out of the planet or whatever because he's so pissed off. His word balloon is just an asterisk that goes down to like a an editor's note that just says speechless with rage. I thought it was kind of funny where, like, you know, in the time before Larflees had the battery, it was just everything around him wanted Larflees to own it. <laughs> own us! Yeah. Own us, please! That was a, that was a, I, I'm gonna say that was a well-done flashback, because you saw, like, his narrative versus the way things really were, but at the same time, the dialogue of the people in his narrative was... Like, it made it look like... I mean, like, like, usually when you have that kind of thing, it's a character lying to themselves and lying to who they're talking to. But the dialogue within the flashback panels made it look like, well, maybe Larflees isn't, <clears throat> like, mentally right anymore because of how long he's been affected by this ring. So, like, he kind of remembers it the real way, but... He's not really, but uh, I don't know. He gives it gray area, and I really like that. Also, when he puts Stargrave in this ball, he rides it around like he used to ride on Sade's head. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's like his thing. I like that. I wonder who actually stole this battery. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I really don't... Like, unless they made it Stargrave as a way to get away from him or something, like, I I don't really think we can guess at this point, but... I don't know. <clears throat> so this is... Like, I don't know about the colorist or anything, but this is the team that's doing the Larflees ongoing. Right. So, like, overall, like, 
like nitpicky nitpicky things about this particular story aside overall what do you think about getting an ongoing book about these two characters from these two creators uh, god based on this i would say definitely not enough to support a a book i i mean like i read this because it you know because we were reading it you know like i wasn't like oh man i can't wait to read that that larvely's backup and you know even if even after reading the first part which was probably the best part out of all of it you know it just progressively got like weirder and more you know like i don't know almost like it's losing focus and just like now random shit is just happening um mm-hmm. And it's just like all this, you know, weird, crazy, random stuff that I just don't really care too much about. At this point, I just want to know, like, who stole the lantern, and I don't really care about any of these other wacky characters. I don't know if they're trying to introduce these characters so that way, you know, like, they're going to be the cast of the new comic book. But if that's the case, then it's going to be awful. Yeah, what do you think, Ted? Um, what the fuck was that? Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, it was alright, I guess. Wasn't that big of a fan of the way Scott Collins drew, uh, Larflees? It almost seemed like, uh, super, super thin. I mean, I know that Larflees is lanky, but, uh, I don't know, something about it was just odd and off to me. It was more cartoony than just standard Scott Collins art, you know what I mean? And um, I guess I guess the positive thing about it is it's nice to get uh, humor, but uh, like humor that's intentional, not like when we're reading Red Lanterns and find it hilarious. <laughs> you know, like some intentional humor. So that was that was cool. I, I'm with Jim. I really have no use for these other extra characters that just suddenly showed up and throwing Legion in there and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like that's a by... I mean, I feel like some of this is a byproduct of it being in Threshold. Because, like, again, this is the... They want to, just like with the Hunted story, they want to throw in as many DC cosmic characters as they can. And Like, I, I feel... Generally, I feel pretty positive about this Larfleet's backup. And, you know, granted, maybe it's because... I'm reading it with The Hunted, which was terrible. <laughs> but I don't know. Like I I like I I like the art. Like yeah, it does look a little goofy, but I think that kind of fits the characters and the the tone they're going for here. Uh the the writing, like I like I feel like Giffen I feel like like the style of writing he brings to the table works here in a way that it just doesn't in the lead feature in these issues. Um, that being said, I think I think this whole Larfleeze backup story feels restrained just because like they know they don't have enough space to really do a whole lot of what they'd like to do. That's why we're getting like we're getting this super basic story and we're not getting a whole lot to to really chew on or talk about because like like again like how often do we see backup features that aren't that great because 
they're being written by people who are used to writing full-length issues. You know, like this, this is just sort of like a, a dry run for like the the kind of tone and look and feel we'll be getting out of the Larfleys ongoing. And like for for what they give us, you know, I'm, I I still want to. I'm still looking forward to seeing issue one of that. I hope the. Uh, I mean, I love Scott Collins and basically anything he does, but uh, I hope that once it becomes an ongoing and you know, I on the one hand, it I, I'm sure it'll retain some of its humor, but I think the sheer fact of it going from a backup to an ongoing and its own issue would mean that we lose some of the humor aspect because just strictly having a space humor book, I don't think for that many pages would sell. I think you have to have more more substance than humor in there. So I think, well, I think I think as a result of that his his art on it should go more back to Scott Collins and away from cartoony. I think they could afford to retain the levels of humor that they have in this backup and like kind of like the the thing they're really missing here is plot. Yeah. Because they don't they literally don't have enough room for it. Where it's like once they have an ongoing I mean like this backup story is basically here to say, okay, this is what the characters are gonna look like, this is what their interactions are gonna be like, and here's like a loose thread of a story to kinda move us through a few issues. Like once they have enough space to actually tell stories and get into characters a little more, like I think it's gonna like we'll have like plots to kind of balance out the uh, like the the I'll say the banter between these guys that that uh, leans towards the funny. I I'm I find it hard to try and imagine what they're gonna do with the Larfleys book that's gonna be interesting month after month. Like I mean I think he's a great character when he's with like a bunch of other characters. Um, and they have to play off of him, or when he's going on like a quest, or he has like a big, you know, important mission. Um, <laughs> right now, I just I can't really see anything. You know, if he's just kind of like hanging out at the edge of space, then you know his days are numbered. Yeah. I mean, Giffen did say this book is basically going to be Larfleys in his own in his own sandbox doing Larfleys stuff in space. Which, you know, he's going to have characters around him. Like, I think Stargrave is the first example of, like, he's going to have a supporting cast. Um, as for, like, like and they could come up with storylines for him. I mean, like, we keep talking about how, like, oh, Larflees wants his family. He wants to find his family. That's the one thing in all the universe he wants more than anything else. Well, what if they wanted to tackle that in his own book where they have all the room in the world to do it and not get sidetracked by whatever Hal Jordan is doing this week. You know, like we have, they have the opportunity to take Larfleys anywhere and go on like whatever cosmic odyssey, haha, they feel like and not have to be hampered by, by working the other green lanterns or whatever into it. Like, I mean, I think the potential is there, especially with a character that so many people have latched onto over the years. Maybe. 
I'm not I'm not rating this more than a much uh, a borrow. I'd say this this kind of fluctuates between a high borrow and a buy. Just the Larfleet stuff itself we're talking about? Yeah, just Larfleet's. Uh borrow. Okay. Threshold is take it out back, burn it. Yeah, let's uh, let's be done with this episode so we can move on with our lives and go to sleep and forget it. All right. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, if you want to contact us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail dot com, or we have a website lanterncast dot com where you can find links to our forum, Facebook page, Twitter, or anything else that we've done. Um, if you want to call and leave a voicemail, uh, our number is 708-LANTERN. Uh, we're available on Stitcher, and if you go to iTunes, uh, you can find us on there, too. Just uh, do a search for Green Lantern or LanternCast. Either way. <sighs> is that it? That's it. Okay. I hope you people enjoyed this. <laughs> we sure did. <laughs> we did this for you. Yeah, uh, I I did it for a uh, a narcotic before I go to sleep. Oh, good night, guys. Good night, Aaron. Good episode, Dan. You're welcome. <laughs> we have to do it. We have to cover these books. But they suck. We didn't know that at the time. We knew that. No, we did Hey, you know what? And James, you can put this after the credits or whatever. This is... I, I can't believe I forgot to bring this up. This is essentially a Tales of the Core book right now. <laughs> We've wanted that forever. How is this a Tale of the Core's book? Well, because the leads... It started out with a story about a a yellow, blue, violet, and green lantern. Then it moved into a series where it's a... The front lead story is about a green lantern, and the backup is an orange lantern. No. No, because... Yeah. Listen, the reason this isn't a tale of the course book is because in the annual, they didn't do anything lantern-y. It was just, a, you know, it's just some shitty tale. It's not tale of the core. And then with the uh, call, he, again, you know, like the entire time that we've known him, I think he hasn't used the Green Lantern ring at all. So, you know, foo-foo on that. Not to mention, it's, you know, these are, like, limited series, so Tale of the Core, you know, implies, you know, get the tale done in the story that you're reading and and get out. I, I don't think anything you just said is true. Everything I said is true. Tale of the Core, tale of the core book is, okay, you have a book, and 
Okay, wait. No, and listen, there's, listen. There's, there's multiple stories in it, and this one's about, like, a Green Lantern, this one's about an Orange Lantern, and maybe there's a, one about a Violet Lantern, okay. and maybe there's... Well, it doesn't matter what they're doing. to be continued, if you're going to talk, you know, oh, we're going to have a Tale of the Core book, you know, and it's going to run through, you know, this one story is going to run through six issues, then you're going to get that DC, you know, Comics Presents with Dead Man, you know, running through six issues. The whole point is that you get the story done in one issue and then move on no. to other characters. That way, if it no. sucks, you're not stuck with it for six months. No, length has never been a set in stone, stone specific, bleh, set in stone specification. That's what she said. Exactly what she said. <laughs> uh, I would argue with you more, but I have to go to sleep. Yes, you would argue with me because you split hairs and that's all you do. That's not all I do. Yes, you also make awful jokes and think they're funny. 